Cool. Welcome back to the Red Letter Business Podcast presented by CBMC Oklahoma. My name is Tyler DeBose, uh, and here with me as always, Adrian Saavedra. Adrian, we're, we're in the dog days of summer, really sweating it out down here in Oklahoma, but other than that, man, how are you doing? You know, it's uh, it's great. So summer's great. I love I love the summer. I love, uh, you know, all the fun things we get to do as families to travel, do vacation, go swimming. And, you know, the kids are out of school. But yeah, it, you're right, man. It is hot here. So we're excited uh, to be here today with uh, Briggs Sorber, a guy we've heard a lot about over over the, the months and the years. And but for the first time, we're getting an opportunity to visit with him today. So uh, Briggs Sorber, as you're going to come to find out, uh, was a part of a family business that uh, you may now be familiar with, but uh, it certainly started off uh, with very humble beginnings, two men in a truck, and has has turned into something uh, that is has just exploded and, and been a really successful business. And so he has a really encouraging, neat story to share with us today. So Brig from Michigan, all the way from Michigan. Welcome uh, to the Red Letter Business Podcast, and uh, we're really glad to have you on. Well, Adrian and Tyler, I appreciate it very much. I'm honored to be here. Um, it's not that warm here. I mean, it's probably in the uh, right around 70, but really windy. So uh, I'll take my weather over your hot weather any day, but I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm going to start looking for flights to Michigan right now because that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, we haven't done too many episodes of this uh, podcast, but you're the second Michigander. Is that is that right, Michigander? Yeah, yeah, the second Michigander that we've had on this podcast. So maybe the Lord's telling us something here, Tyler. Maybe He's <laughs> telling us to, that we need to move up north. We're starting to get some good uh, connections and relationships with people from Michigan. So. Uh, well, anyways, hey, we we just jump right into this thing. So we really appreciate your time, Greg. But tell us a little bit about uh, your story. Two men in a truck. You know, it's a national brand now. It's a it's a big company. But uh, tell us a little bit maybe about how you got started. Even you know anything you want to talk about your upbringing, what got you into the business, all that kind of stuff. We just want to turn it over to you and let you sure. tell your story. Yeah. Yeah, actually, it just started out, um, if you go way back and look at it, started out uh, mowing lawns. I mean, we were, we were too young to drive, and we would uh, pull up our lawnmowers behind our bikes. And there was always some colossal wipeouts because somebody would ride their bike on somebody else's lawnmower, and you can imagine what that looked like. Um, and then my dad bought, um, he bought a, a 66 Ford pickup truck. Uh, that It was a beater. I mean, this thing was, uh, he bought it for $200. It was a Michigan State University ag truck. I had a hole in the floor. I could watch the road as I'm driving by go. <laughs> and um, I asked my dad if I could have it when I turned 16 and, and if I fixed it up. And he said, go ahead. And, you know, that was really before driving pickup trucks was cool. I think I was the only <laughs> one in the parking lot that had a pickup truck. And uh, but we started hauling our, our mowers in the back of the truck. And that increased business because we could we could reach more lawns. And then we started hauling people's yard waste away. And that was more lucrative than, uh, than the lawn mowing. Uh, by this time, uh, I had some friends with me. I had my brother uh, got involved, my younger brother. And we started to move um, just stuff to the, the dump. Um, anything that would fit in the back of that truck, we'd move to the dump. And we called ourselves um, men at work movers. 
And our first ad read something like this. It was like men at work movers, two men in a truck, 25 bucks an hour. And um, my, we would take $3 uh, from every move that we would do and we put it into a dish. And that was our ad fund. Mm. And uh, we did, we sold the business uh, last August, but just to give you an idea, just our national ad fund alone last year was about $16 million. Wow. Uh, so that candy dish got a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, a little, little bit of growth over the years. Yeah. Interesting things though uh, that happened is um, my mom at that candy dish uh, where we put the money, she drew um, a cartoon truck with two stick men in it um, just to let the rest of the family know that that money belongs to, you know, to, to men at work movers. And uh, that's actually where our logo came from. So if you see our logo, um, right. my mom drew that with a Sharpie and a, and, a, and a napkin. And that's the logo we used. Um, she also said, why don't you guys drop men at work movers and just call yourselves what you are two men in a truck. And so uh, Adrian and Tyler, if any of your listeners get anything out of this show, they should, Write this one down. Always listen to your mom, right? Because she might make you right. some money someday. Um, yeah. but that's where that came from. And then we we continued. Uh, we went from a, a pickup truck to a 15-foot step van. That allowed us to start uh, moving some, uh, you know, just like small homes, uh, apartments, use furniture delivery. Um, I mean, back then, we didn't even have a ramp or pads. Um, right. I think my mom would later buy, she went to the store to... Um, gosh, it was like the Red Cross or something and bought used blankets and those were our first moving pads. So what I I think the thing is that John and I were pleasers and it was always important to us that that we please people. The moving industry was a quite a a, kind of had a black eye. Uh, It still does in many ways. Uh, So it was actually an easy industry to to please people. I mean, just showing up and finishing a job, people do backflips. You know, we just couldn't believe it. In referrals, like many of your listeners that are their businessmen would know, referrals are, are king in business. And right. so we got our, our business just built um, on those referrals. Uh, John and I would go off to college and it would be my mom that would franchise uh, the business a few years later. And then all of us kids, the, the business made no money whatsoever for many, many years. Um, and all of us kids uh, went out and got jobs doing other things. Uh, my brother, uh, he worked at UPS. I worked at, uh, I, I sold insurance. My sister was involved too and sold pharmaceuticals. And as the business got bigger, my mom needed help. It slowly pulled all those kids in and we started working from there and just started growing it from there. That's that's pretty neat. So uh, so mom was the real visionary behind this, right? Uh, oh, there's you know, no question. <laughs> no question. Uh, John and I were doing it basically for beer and book money, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, for college and uh she saw it. She loved it, um, you know, and we, we did, too. Eventually, as, as we start, started to see it grow, uh, right. it was, yeah, it was my mom that franchised it and all of us kids jumped in right away. My sister was the first franchisee in Atlanta, Georgia for, for, mm. for the whole thing. And um, I'm going to tell you, both of you guys right now, is that the blessings that came from starting out, the amount of that you learn by being on the job. Um, you know, I eventually became president and CEO of two men in a truck. Um, I never took a business class in college. I was a geography major. Um, but for me, I learned uh, about customers. I learned about employees and, um, and I learned different techniques about moving. And then when we started selling uh, and marketing the franchises, that was another job that I had. 
I was very good at that because I knew every aspect of, of the business. Um, when I became a, a vice president, I was there to support my sister when she was the president. And I could support her because I was the one that brought the franchises in. I knew them personally. Um, I was also a, a field consultant. I would, I would go out and, and help people run their businesses and, and you know, give them suggestions and, and take a look at their businesses. And when I became president, I learned, I just took the step from being vice president. And then, then when I was a CEO, the same thing. And so one of the things I, I would like listeners to understand, something that I learned the hard way, but I learned is that you know, you're going to move up. Uh, based on what you learned in the past, don't, especially for your young listeners, don't ever sleepwalk through a job um, in thinking yeah. that, oh yeah, you know, this is, this is just what I'm going to do till I find something better. No, take that job and own it. Take that job and, and be the best that you can at it. And then you increase your area of influence when you move forward. And that is, that is how we moved up two men in the truck. Well, I, I love that. And that was actually a question I was going to going to ask you, but you preemptively answered it, which which is, uh, you know, a major lesson that you you've learned from this. And uh, I, I certainly can relate. You know, um, when I was I was fortunate when I was my first job out of college, I was a baseball coach. I spent 16 years as a coach and was able to start as a high school coach and eventually move as a head but, uh, college baseball coach. But right when I started off a, a major league uh, coach who'd spent 28 years either playing or coaching in the big leagues. He told me this. He said, you can learn something from every person that you coach. absolutely right. Yeah. And, and that good, stuck with yeah. me. Um, and uh, Adrian, good and bad, right? I mean, I had, right. I had a very, were bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a very challenging boss uh, um, before two men in a truck and it was absolutely miserable. Um, but Looking back, you know, I didn't have my faith then, but looking back on that now, God allowed that in my life. And why? Because he wants, he wants to show me um, all aspects of leadership. And we can learn as leaders, we can learn from some horrible experiences, you know, and some people allow those experiences to stop them from moving forward. Um, it is, it dramatically affects their life. And it's like, don't do that. Don't, bury the the bad experience with a boss or anything like that pull it up and then look at it own it and say okay what did i learn from this what would i have done differently compared to the way that i was managed there take those gems and throw the rest of that garbage away all the pain that you felt and all that stuff that's that's that doesn't do you any good but take those those gems of what you learned and i would never do you know look at this and go this is the way i would have handled this or this I'm going to tell you right now, it really helped me um, to build and help my family build a strong culture in that business was lessons learned, not from just great mentors, but also horrible ones. Right. And from, from, you know, messing up yourself, I had plenty of those as well. And so yeah. I always, I always used to tell people, you know, and I still do to this day when you, when you accomplish or when you're setting out to do something new and, and uh, you know, it's always a risk to start something new. I always tell people there's there's really only two outcomes, either success and, and other people would say failure, but I'd say no, it's either success or you learn something. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and uh, you, you go with what you learn and you do it better the next time. And eventually you do it a little better and you figure it out, you know. I like that. Yeah, you just keep yeah. going forward. You know? Yeah, just keep going forward. So that, that's wonderful. Well, um, you know, I've heard a little little of your story before in bits and pieces, and so I'm really enjoying getting getting to hear it straight from your mouth. But 
when I kind of looked at your company and how it started and it kind of grew and then then all of a sudden it's almost like you really had two companies, right? So yes, uh, yeah, before 2009 and the great the great downturn and the recession, the housing bubble and everything that burst and then after. And yes. so tell, talk a little bit about that challenging time, uh, really a transitional time in your in your business uh, and, and what, a, what you learned from that. That is a fantastic question. Um, I cover this. I cover that in my book. No one's ever asked me that, but I cover that in my book. Um, the, the recession and, and remember, it was the, the debacle of the um, of the mortgage industry is what brought right. on the recession, which not good when you own a moving company, right? No, yeah, um, not at all. And that is really when I took over as president, it was about a, a year before uh, the recession hit. And um, we could, we felt it coming first. Um, looking back on it, um, it was the most painful, but it was the best thing ever for our company. Uh, because what I told uh, our franchisees at the time and our employees uh, we had about 200, about 150 employees at, at the corporate. Well, no, no, let me back up. No, 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 That was after we grew. We probably had about 78 employees at our corporate office when that all hit. What I told them is uh, we're going to look in the mirror here and not out the window. Okay. Uh, we were having other issues in the business um, that had nothing to do with the recession. We were just getting into online leads um, and we were failing miserably at that. Our uh, drop-off rate on uh, for people that were checking our internet site was about 80%. Uh, we did not train the franchises properly on how to handle internet leads. Um, we were growing so much up until the recession that we forgot how to sell moves. Um, our customer service reps just became order takers. And right. so when all of a sudden these people are calling up looking for price, well, we were the most expensive movers, but we did not train our CSRs, our customer service reps uh, to sell the business. So we were stuck in the water in many cases. Um, our, uh, our movers of care software system was in its, in its death throes. Uh, the franchisees were, were about ready to sue us. Um, it's basically, it was a time that I just said, uh, God, what are we going to do in your moving business today? Um, and we just started, we're going to take personal responsibility. Uh, we were losing more jobs from, from our own brokenness uh, than we were from actually the recession. But one thing, uh, Adrian, that the recession did for us is imagine a pond full of water and your boat is floating on top of it. And there's all these um, uh, like branches and rocks underneath the water and, and you're just floating over the top of it. The water represents the amount of business, right? When the recession right. hits, that water sinks and all of a sudden your boat is banging into all these things that were wrong with your business, but you never knew it. Couldn't see so, it. And, and I, I have a chapter on this in the book, and, and it's, it was a, probably one of the funnest ones I, that I wrote. Um, I don't have enough time to explain the whole thing in detail right now, but the bottom line was, let's take care of the rocks and the branches and the stumps, okay? And let's, so, we can, so we can do more of the less moving going on in the world, um, and, and we can still be profitable, but we're losing our profitability by all these mistakes. And so looking back on it, the recession was actually good for us. It allowed us to go in and, and clean up our processes, uh, you know, getting the right people in, in the positions. And then we started growing at the tail end of the recession, a uh, double digit. And we grew double digit all the way for, for the next 11 years. Um, right. And that doesn't happen unless we, we see that we're broken. 
it also doesn't happen if you don't take responsibility. And, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of moving companies that went under. A lot of companies did. And a lot of companies sat back on their heels waiting for things to get good again. Um, I told our corporate office and our franchisees, we're putting our car hearts and our boots on and we're getting out in that storm and we're going to grab we're going to grab more of that less moving going on um, and start looking at business as an adventure and tap into the adventure of your employees. God made us all adventurous, um, all of us, not only uh, CS, uh, CEOs and presidents, but everyone all the way down to, uh, to the men and women on the front line. Um, and when you um, harness that adventure that God gives everybody, you can take on anything. And it, that was probably the, my favorite part of my career was that time right there, just pounding through that. That's cool. I, I hear a sermon in there, you know, uh, <laughs> where you can't grow unless you know that you're broken. You know, we, yes. we have to see our need for a savior before we can uh, experience his uh, redemptiveness in our lives. And uh, that takes the humility to confront and face our brokenness. And so that's, man, I love that. That's really cool. Yes. I think that's um, that's right on. So that's that's the message that we want our listeners to hear. Because if you look at today, right, uh, it's in some ways it looks like we may be facing some challenging times. Certainly, we have you know, over the past two years, coming out of the pandemic, and lots of industries um, have have been experiencing some tough times. And now there's a little bit of unpredictability, and there there may be some people just like where you were in in 2000. 2009, where you're questioning, man, how are we going to survive this? You know, um, Adrian, you also talked about uh, that time. Um, be, and it's really a, another part of the book, too. I'm, I don't I'm not sitting here trying to say hey, buy my book. It's just I, I go into I go into greater detail in all these stories. But um, bef- before the recession, there, you know, something I want uh, your listeners to understand. Um, we did not come from a lot of wealth. My family, um, I went to Northern Michigan University. Um, I was a rugby player there. It took me five years to get a four-year degree. Um, I had a girlfriend um, and I, um, I got her pregnant. Um, she told me that um, I'm going to have this baby no matter what. Um, I'm not asking you to marry me. I'll be fine. Um, I, when she told me that, she gave me my walking papers. I could just leave. I could, you know, and, and I, my faith, I, I didn't have any faith back then. If she wanted to have an abortion, I probably would have drove her to the clinic. But the fact that she wanted to keep this baby made me love her even more. And um, mm-hmm. I pleaded with her. Um, we got married. Um, we've been married for 36 years now. Um, I think God was happy about that, but he, he didn't say, oh, that was a great decision. I'm gonna make your life easy. Um, <laughs> right. Our life was hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. for, you know, all through our twenties and my goal, this, I'm gonna bring this story around to your point here. My goal was to make money. It was to get wealthy because um, we had, our daughter Alicia was a welfare baby. We had no money. And um, I couldn't, I worked, my, I worked my tail off ever since I was a kid. I just thought I was, I just didn't want to be poor. And so my goal was to make as much money as I could because to me, money was freedom. And so I worked and I plowed and I hammered. And, and even my early years at two men in a truck was that. And, right. and uh, before the recession hit, um, we did start growing that business. We did start uh, marketing and selling franchises. 
um, I did start making money. And all of a sudden I found myself um, in, a, in a nice uh, brick ranch house with an in-ground swimming pool, driving an Audi. Um, I had money and it was right. like, I made it. And what I found out was um, all of a sudden I had a great amount of despair. And it's like, what in the hell is going on with me? I don't understand this. And uh, how could you have everything that you wanted and not be happy? And what I was missing, what I was missing Christ. And what was great about how God found my heart was he didn't plant me into the ground and just like, I'm screaming, God, I have nowhere to go. Please help me. Because and, and when people come to Christ that way, that's a victory. Okay. Any way that you come to right. Christ is a victory. Um, but I think he knew that I wouldn't have got up. So what he did was like, well, let's, let's turn Brig inside out. Let's just give him everything he wants and let's see where he goes. And, yeah. and it, it does not work. Um, mm. And uh, Bishop Barron, Bishop Barron, he named what I went through. I, I read this about two months ago and I hit the floor. I couldn't believe it. He, he talked about the, and I want your listeners to understand this, um, the ego drama and the theodrama. Right. I lived in the, the ego drama. What the ego drama is, is you are the writer, the producer, and the director, and the main character in your main drama. And your job, I mean, and what you have to ask yourself is, where is this going to take you? And that's exactly where I was, because all you're doing is you're feeding your own ego, and you're running your business roughshod. Uh, you're, you can run it that way for a while, but not forever. Right. Um, then from there, when I put Christ in my heart, I gave Christ the business, and not only did my relationships change, but the business changed and everything. And I went with the theodrama. And what the theodrama is, is God is the writer, the producer, the director. And he asks you through your free will, do you want to play a role in my drama? Okay. And that's where I went. Wow. There, there's so many people out there that think, oh, you know, all they think of is, oh, Jesus is this, he's got a lamb draped around his shoulders, walking the hillside, telling everybody to be nice to each other. That is not Jesus at all. Yeah. Jesus right. is, he he is all about adventure, um, excitement. And I brought two men in the truck, my, and my, uh, my family as well. We brought Christ into that business and that business went farther than it would ever go in, in, in my, in my ego drama. Yeah. So that's really, um, that's really amazing. And that's, that's, that's the, you've, you've alluded to it and, and kind of talked about it now, but, um, and, and what you've, just described is what Solomon writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, right? People search for that meaning and purpose and things that are going to just scratch their itch, you know, either through materialism or intellectualism or hedonism and trying to get all the pleasures yeah. that you can get. And all yeah. of it is empty, yeah. right? It's all empty. It all, nobody yeah. can ever get enough. And uh, you, you kind of did that to an extent and, and realized, man, i and I love the words that you chose, despair, man, that it didn't bring you joy or peace. It brought you despair. It did. It was like, and all of a sudden you, you get to this place where you think, all right, I'm no longer living hand to mouth. I own all this stuff. My kids are doing great. Um, you know, they're, they're making the sports teams. They've got friends. I'm coaching some of their teams. Uh, my wife is happy. Our, our relationship is great. And as humans, we're like, okay, I've got to, I've got to blame this on something. There's something. And I even went, I even walked to the kitchen and told my wife, you know what? I think I've got cancer. She's like, what? 
I got something because how can you have everything and feel like this? And she just rolled her eyes like you idiot. She said, I'll get you a, I'll, I'll set an appointment for a doctor. And, and, um, and he even looked at me and went, you know what? You're in really good shape. He goes, the thing is with guys like you, your age and the pressure you have, you have depression. He simply wrote me a prescription for depression and I, I wouldn't take it. It was like, yeah, depression's real. And there's a lot of people that have it. Right. Um, and I, I respect it. Uh, but I, I went, how can you be happy? Then all of a sudden not happy. And I went, I, I think this pill would just hide that. I got to find out what it is. And what it was, was it truly was, and it sounds cliche, but it's real. It was a hole in the heart that only Jesus could fill. And um, I, I told myself, I've got to have a true relationship with Jesus Christ and not this distance, this relationship from a distance where you look at religion from a distance and you judge it. And it's like, that's not religion. And uh, I'm going to tell you guys something else is that and we have a lot of issues in our world right now, but if, 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 if you tie in to Christ and I'm not talking once, you know, a week for 50 minutes on a Sunday, um, that's not going to yeah. do it. Um, right. Let's go to the gym for 50 minutes a week and see how we change and alter our bodies. It just doesn't happen. And so, and there's so many people uh, that are like that. And there's right now, there's over 70% of Americans, um, over 70% of Americans would consider themselves not happy. I just heard that in the news yesterday, 70%. I also heard in the news last week that there's less people considering themselves Christian than the history of our country. Do you think maybe, do you think maybe <laughs> yes. those things correlate? I mean, I think they do. I do too. You know, and it's like what we have to do is, and then we look at all the problems in this world. It's like if everybody could just find peace within themselves and then make peace just with, with your neighbor and your family and the people that are around you, our world would change. Um, it doesn't take politicians to do this. That's right. Um, it just takes us just to take a deep breath and treat others the way we want ourselves to be treated. And guess what? Yeah, I mean, you, you touched on it. It was Jesus who said that uh, many people try to find peace and, and they come up empty, but he says, peace, I leave with you and peace I give to you. It's he gives us the peace. It's when we find him yes. that, we get the, that we get the peace. And that's exactly right. So just a real fo quick follow-up to that, to that um, story. Was there somebody who introduced you to, to Christ? You know, you were, you were searching, you were looking, uh, and you just knew that prescription wasn't the answer. Um, there was something missing. How, how was it that you actually came to, to turn to Jesus out of well, all the options? Yeah, it was interesting because, um, I mean, uh, my wife is number 12 out of 14 kids. Um, uh, she came from a, a Catholic family in the Upper Peninsula. And... Um, I mean, I went to church with her and, and understand this. I mean, just because you go to church once a week doesn't mean you have it figured. I didn't. Yeah, I did for I, I did for 10 years. And uh, to me, it was like, well, must be working out. I'm making more money. So and we're giving to we're getting more money back to the church and to nonprofits. Um, this is a game I can play. And yeah. that's not religion. I mean, that's no. maybe that is religion. That's not a relationship with Christ. Yeah. And um, just, just because you're in the garage doesn't make you a car. <laughs> yeah. right. I like that. Yeah. Um, so um, 
I've heard that funny joke, Adrian. I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> um, so I know you were just saying that you were you were playing the game and you were going to church with your wife, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then so um, I don't know. I, I was well. Here's the answer to your question. Um, I was playing the game. I was now. I was really. I was going through um, just a lot of despair. I mean, I, I had no energy. I was um, uh, I was angry at the drop of a hat. Um, I just had. I was just exhausted. Uh, I knew something was wrong. And I, I remember I slumped into the office and I turned on my computer and I saw a, um, it was an ad for the left behind series of books, you know, Tim LaHaye and sure. And it, you know, and for your, uh, for your listeners that, that don't know what that is, it's basically, a, it's a story of, it's a series of about 10 books or so, what it would look like if Jesus came back right now and took all the believers and left all the all the uh, unbelievers behind. That's what the book's called left behind. Well, for me, I always needed validation um, at this time in my life. And I went, Oh, uh, he would take me. I mean, I don't hang out at bars and chase women. You know, I, um, you know, I coach the kids teams. Uh, I pay my taxes. Um, you know, he'd take me, wouldn't he? Well, I got the book and I started reading it. And one of the reasons I love the book was because it took my mind off my despair. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you could take, if you could do something for, for an hour to hour and a half and, and get rid of a migraine headache, wouldn't you do it? Um, so oh, that's yeah. kind of why I started reading the book. It, it took that away. And then the book starts quoting the Bible. And I thought, well, is that BS or is that real? I mean, I don't know. And so I blew the dust off of a Bible I had uh, at the house. And um, I looked, I started looking up the scriptures. And they weren't exactly word for word, but they were like, okay, yeah, they are following this. And then I started thinking, maybe I should be reading this. And so what I did, I talked with my wife and said, hey, I'm going to go come into work about half hour early and start reading the Bible. So what I did is I, I would pray for the first 10 minutes and just go, God, I don't, you know, I'm not the sharpest tool in your spiritual shed here. Um, this Bible looks very daunting to me. Please help me out to understand it just to get a toehold on this. And then I would read the Bible for about 20 minutes. I started doing that in the morning and I started reading the Left Behind series at night. And I got into this ping pong between the two and I slowly worked my way out of the despair. And looking back, God did not pull that away from me right away because he knows Briggs Sorber. Oh, everything's good. I'm just going to go back to the way I was. Yeah. Um, so it took me a while, but I was getting better and better. And then that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I need, you know, I'm missing a, a true relationship with Christ. And I sat down and I asked God to come into my life. I said, I wasn't sure how to do this. This is, I'm kind of new at this. Um, this is just between you and me, Lord. And, and uh, I just feel like something got finalized there. It wasn't like, you know, like a little fairy showed up with pixie dust and, our, and my life got great. That, that wasn't the case. Um, but things started to get better and more clear. And, and going back to the, I was stepping into the theodrama. I didn't, you know, didn't know what that term was, but you know, I started to play a role that God gave me instead of manufacturing my own role to take care of my own ego. And my, my, the swelling went down, my life chilled out. Then the business goes, blows up because of the recession. And it's like, God, I handed you my life and you changed that. How about if I hand you the business? We, can we do the same thing? Hmm. And we did. And I'm going to tell both you guys right now, Um, the difference between like a business in business, what we do is we look for gratification 
by getting a sale or uh, getting a promotion, uh, making more money. We see those things in front of us. The thing about strengthening your faith is you will see it behind you, not in front of you. Uh, what I mean by that is you'll look back in the past and you'll go like, like when I gave the business to Christ, I didn't see it at the time. The amount of people that would show up and he would talk through people ideas and thoughts would come through people that I know were coming through Christ. And he would even, there was one individual that worked, that was a, uh, a screaming atheist <laughs> that worked for me <laughs> and God spoke through her, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, God can speak through a dog. She could come in and pound my desk and say something. I'm going, that's coming. You know, looking back on it, I went, that was really good advice coming from God. You don't see it at the time, but, um, but that's where the faith part comes in. As you bring Christ in, work with him, he'll take the swelling out of you. You start seeing things more clearly. And then if you're running a business or you're in, a, in management in a business, you're, you're better if you can call audibles on the shot, on, on the fly, just like a good quarterback does, uh, sees a defense and changes things. When the swelling goes down in your, in your ego, uh, when you start looking at everything, you start listening to other people, all of a sudden you're calling audibles in the business that look absolutely brilliant, but you're allowing this stuff to come to you. And um, yeah. God puts, there's a lot of gems all around us. Uh, take the time to pick them up. Um, sometimes they need to be dusted off and they need to be cleaned up. Um, things don't just fall in our laps. We have to, God wants us to strengthen ourselves, to work for some of these things. Um, and I, you know, it's one of the things I tell people, he's not Santa Claus. You don't pray and just wait for this stuff to fall in your lap. Pray about yeah. those things and he may put them in front of you, but you need to, you still need to, through faith, work for those things. Of course. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, I want to pick, I want to pick back up. That's, that's really interesting. The journey that you took, um, because now you've come to know Christ, uh, You've got through this um, recession. You've identified, like you said, the, the rocks and the branches that are scraping the boat. And you're making some big changes in your company that actually leads to an extended period of success and growth. But there are two key things that I wanted just to ask you about through that journey, things that you learned about. One of those is, is this idea of accountability. And the other one is just, you know, getting the courage to take a risk. And so uh, to do things outside the box, you know, things, ways you've never done it before. And so let, let me hit the first one first and let you answer that. But I've heard you talk a little bit about accountability before in some of your previous talks. But for many Christians, that's kind of a scary topic uh, to discuss, right? Letting somebody in uh, or being vulnerable, right? But, but at CBMC, you know, we believe that living in accountable relationships with other believers is crucial to our ability to grow and mature in Christ. Uh, and I think it translates into the business world as well, into success in, in business. But can you speak to the importance of accountability in your company and, and as you were making some major changes um, that led to all the growth that you now uh, experienced and got to see the blessing of? Sure. You know, there's... Um with your business or, or with your job um, and so many large businesses and corporations get such a black eye and some of them deserve it. Some don't, uh, most of them do their best, but everyone should win that, that touches your business. Okay. 
Um, obviously, uh, your customers, people would, can understand that. Uh, your employees are not just cogs in the machine. Uh, they're also God's creation. Um, he also put adventure in them. And so when you have some of these employees that show that they're willing uh, uh, to work, they're willing to put it out there, you, you need to not only obviously pay them, but give them accolades in the business, allow them to speak to the media, um, allow them some rope uh, to make some decisions. Uh, that is how you get your employees to win. Uh, vendors, um, so many of us in business think, well, the way to be successful is to, uh, is to beat up the vendors. That is so wrong. Uh, make sure that you pay them, especially, uh, you know what, you pay them always. Um, it's okay to negotiate. There's a difference between beating up and negotiating. Um, but I found that vendors, especially with the franchise model, the more that we grew, the more they grew. And they, they became a, a second set of eyes uh, for the business. Uh, so we want to make sure that our, our vendors are successful. Uh, obviously, our customers, our employees, our franchisees, the communities that we do our business in, uh, we should be giving back to them. And if you do all these things, and here's the thing, Adrian, there's so many business people I've seen it. They think that money comes through the front door. What I mean by that is um, they're going to beat up somebody, uh, you know, to, to make a little bit more profit. Uh, they're not going to pay somebody on time for a little bit more profit. And then in, in the door comes this money. I always felt that the money comes in the back door. Take care of everybody. And when everyone is taken care of, God will take care of the business too. Keep God in the relationships of all of those. And, uh, you know, that will also, that helps with the accountability is, yeah. is that. And then also too, if you're a believer in Christ and you cheat, you cheat on your taxes, um, you've got maybe your business paying for something that it probably shouldn't be paying for. You've got employees that are watching that. And so if, if they think that you're a Christian, trust me, they're watching you at all the times. They're going to, they're going to shake their head and go, that, that guy's a joke. And what you're also telling God is, you know, God, thank you for all the favor. I don't completely trust you. So I'm going to cheat here. Um, I don't completely trust you. So I'm not going to pay all my taxes. Um, I'm going to take things from the business, you know. Now I'll admit, I did use the dumpster every now and time, every time it worked now and then, but. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, <laughs> grace, but, grace, grace abounds. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, ever since I sold the business, I miss that big magic box. But uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, when you start doing it, you have to uh, hold yourself accountable. And that's where the trust comes in, because if you're trusting God to take care of these things, um, know that he will replenish everything that you need always. And so be giving. Um, don't think for a second that uh, if you're a follower of Christ in business, that you become a marshmallow and you're soft. Right. Uh, no. I mean, there's uh, I had to uh, I had to terminate uh, employees. Uh, it was very difficult. Um, I would work hard on trying to get them to, you know, get reacclimated to what we needed. And, and sometimes uh, it just, you know, it just didn't work out. Um, and then you also have to make sure that you save the culture of the, protect the culture of the business uh, from certain individuals and you can show them and, and, and lead them. And if they can't follow those, then uh, you, you have to do that. And those are things that you pray about. Uh, discernment. I mean, talk about Solomon, uh, you know, let's talk about uh, discernment. Um, I would have, I had a, I'm an old Catholic boy. Uh, I also have one of my best friends as a, is a, is uh, a, a Baptist minister. And, uh, you know, even it sounds like, this sounds like the start of a joke. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> then there was a Jewish rabbi, right? Yeah. No. Um, it, but it's like what, what I did, uh, you know, with, with my Catholic faith and, and, uh, and, and then also um, with, with other faiths, we, I always looked at what, what we have in common and what we have in common is Christ. And that, that's, that's what we work on. It's all you need. Uh, but anyway, when I would get, when talking about discernment, making huge decisions, uh, you know, Solomon talks about that. Uh, you know, God talks about that. Reach out uh, to certain uh, business people and ask what their thoughts are. Um, God talks through, uh, obviously, uh, through, through pastors and ministers and priests. Um, you know, he'll also talk through your spouse. And I would talk to my spouse uh, through these things. Now, does she don't have all the business acumen that I have? No, um, she didn't need to. She didn't need to go deep in the weeds with what I was talking about. She kept me, you know, she kept me in my swim lane. Right. Things to think about. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, discernment, because if you're living in the, in the theodrama, you are playing a role in God's theodrama. That doesn't mean it's you are the main character. Mm. And so uh, we, that's what we have to do. Well, it's, it's really funny that you <coughs> talked about in those terms, really taking the long view of your business rather than trying to take shortcuts and for short-term gains and perhaps maybe lose your reputation in the process because somebody uh, notices that you you uh, you know cheated here or cut a corner here. Uh, but uh, Brig, and you can testify to this, we haven't talked before today. We've emailed back and forth, uh, but we've never met each other. And I can't tell you how many guys we've had on this uh, podcast that have been business owners, built, raised, sold businesses that have said the exact same thing, that the most important thing, right, is is uh, to that everybody wins, that, that you honor the Lord, that you that you do treat people honestly, that you have integrity in the way you go about your business and the Lord takes care of the rest. It's almost like that's a better way of doing business. <laughs> so uh, that's what we we hope will people will hear, you know, people who are sitting there and are trying to figure out how to how to uh, propel their business forward. It seems like that's the hard way, but really it's the best way to run your business. And, and you can sleep at night. Yes. You know, yes. you don't have a bunch of skeletons about to come tumbling out of the closet on Monday morning. <clears throat> that's right. And it's, it's easier to have uh, open, frank conversations uh, with with employees. And um, yeah. you know, I think I, I think one of the things that that hurts um, Christian business leadership are people that call themselves Christians but don't act like it. That's and right. They they, uh, they hang their hat on that, and um, it does us so much damage. And and uh, you know those those types of that type of leadership isn't sustainable um, because really what you're, what you also want to do is have a work environment where you keep that human resource um, and you're building them and you're growing them and you're investing in them and in, into their education and, 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 and all those things. And that you just, you get more and more deep that way. And they're only going to want to work with somebody that they can trust. Um, and I had a trusting, I mean, when I, when I would have, when I was making changes in the business, I would, I would have people come in my office constantly, especially I had some, um, I had some new hires and they would come in and go, Brig, why are we doing it this way? And I'd go, well, let me explain. <clears throat> and sometimes they'd go like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I didn't realize that. Sometimes they would go, 
there's a way better way of doing that and be like, well, what is it? <laughs> you yeah, know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they tell you and just go, okay, let's run with that. Um, sure. put some ideas across, uh, we'll get the executive team together, uh, show us that. And then if the executive team looks at that and we, I look at it, great. And then, uh, we'll get some franchisees in and let that person run with that and be the lead on that. And then, uh, and you know, you're there when you've got employees that come in and go, Brig, um, your idea is not going to work or yeah. they give you open and honest that. feedback. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, okay. And um, when they have that where there's no fear, I think the fear came more that they would let me down than it was. Right. He's going to fire me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, right. And um, that's a That's a great, healthy culture. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a sign. It is. And it, it's when, and when people walk into the office <clears throat> they come upstairs for a meeting and they just go, wow, you can feel the culture in here. Yeah. And so you can feel Jesus in here. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's good. <clears throat> let, let me ask one more question. And then I think Tyler has a question for you. And then we'll, sure. we'll kind of bring, bring this to a close here. But uh, you have a quote that sat over your desk. Um, I've heard you talk about that said, a ship, a ship in the port is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. Yeah. So speak about the idea of, of being a risk taker, right? Of, of, of trying to make some changes and being willing. You've spoke about the God calling us to adventure, God calling us to not necessarily have all the answers at the beginning, but maybe being willing to go out into the deep blue sea, just like a ship is, is, is supposed to be designed for. Yeah. And how um, this directly reflects what God calls us to do with our lives. Okay, this is another chapter in the book. I just love oh, hey, and love it. Which, I love it. Which, by the I way, I love writing on this one. And it was before we saw, before we get done here, yeah. Greg. Uh, I want to <laughs> I, I want to include your book in the show notes. So right yeah. at right at the end of this, I want I want you to tell us the name of your book. Where I, I've got it here. I'll I'll talk a little bit about it. Okay, where they can where get it, and then we'll put it in the show notes as well. But go yeah, ahead. Yeah, because yeah, I'm I'm gonna give you just a you know, the 10,000 foot flyover on this one. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like what was in the book, but um, I saw this quote and it was, I, I saw it at an IFA meeting, International Franchise Association. This guy put it up on the screen before he started his, um, his talk. It said a ship in port is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. I love that. Um, I don't know what else he talked about the whole time, but I wrote that down and used it in business and in my life when like you, you don't want to take risks because a lot of times we go like, well, if I do that, this could happen and this could happen. And, and all of a sudden all these negative things come and it's like, that's keeping your boat in port. And so what we need to do. And so during the recession, I came in the office and um, I had a fiery talk with our, with our employees and I said, a ship in port is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. I said, this business has been, too many truck has been in port too long. It's during the recession. If we stay here, we're going to die. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this boat out in deep blue water. And we're going to cut the barrels off. Anything that we don't need is gone. You know, those uh, big bus trips to the Tiger Games, gone. Those, those big fancy uh, Christmas parties, gone. All these things are gone. And what we're going to do is we're going to run lean. And we're going to get out in the deep blue water because that's where risk and adventure is. But that is also where wealth is. And that is what we're going to do. <clears throat> I also talk about faith in church. 
many times faith in church is kind of like a ship in port. There has to be a time that you have to get out in the deep blue water. And there's reasons to be in church. There's reasons to be at port. That's to get supplies and get out. There's reasons to be in church, obviously, uh, you know, to give reverence to God, um, but also to get supplies and get out because God asks us and demands us to be disciples. Mm-hmm. And if you have something that is so good and has changed your life so much, and you're going to keep it to yourself, that's foolish. And so I took my faith and, and, uh, and many of us at Two Men in a Truck took our faith and we went out in the deep blue water because you need both of those things um, if, if you're going to make it. And uh, that, that is what that, yeah, that, that chapter in that book is, is about that in, in way more detail and talks about that. But you talked a lot, little bit about it, Adrian, before about, you know, taking risks and, and having faith and going out. Um, your life is, it's an oyster when you do that. I mean, there's, I, I talked to so many people that are just frustrated and they're trapped and they're, and uh, they feel like they're in a cage and they can't get out. They're pushing or they're pulling the bars and pulling the bars. It's like, ever consider just pushing the bar? And literally walking out of it because the only thing keeping you here is that it's, it's, and I, I talked with my movers. It was uh, before we sold the business, I would travel around the country and I'd stop at different franchises and shut the trucks down and, and talk to these young men. And I'd say, how many of you was it your goal in life to be a mover? Raise <laughs> your hands. It's like, oh, wow. Nobody. Well, me either. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but I talked to him about, it's still a place. It's still a place to start. And then what you need to do is, you know, your, your area of influence is so tiny and small, but, you know, take care of that area of influence, be the best of that. You know, back in the day, we had over 10,000 employees in the summer. So be the best at backing up a truck and folding up pads better than anybody else. And watch what happens. Your area of influence increases and increases and increases. And that is, those are taking risks and getting better in business. In faith, it's, you know what? Are you going to church once a week? Start out there. But like this good old Catholic, you can go to mass every single day, which I do almost. Um, but in other faiths, they have Wednesday services. They've got Bible studies. You are not going to get anything else out of your business unless you get in deep blue water. I'm talking to Christians too. Your faith won't get any deeper than it is right now. If you're going to church once a week and you're not, you know, online, I read three or four devotionals a day. I send out, I send out to 180 different people that I've added to my list over the last 20 years. I'm still learning from that. And what as business people and as Christians, we have to chase Christ. We can't wait for him to come to us on Sunday, chase him. Chase him down, read up on him, depend on him. Yeah. And, and when you do that, every part of your life gets better. Your marriage will get better. You'll be a better neighbor. You'll be a better boss, a better employee. Opportunities open up for you. But if you're living in your ego drama, that's it. That's as, that, that's as far as you're going to get. I'm a 59-year-old man. I've been around for a while. I've seen this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm seeing it in our faith, too. It, uh, so many people are dropping out of church. So many people unhappy. I mean, I'm not a mathematician here, but <laughs> look at the ratio. Look what's going on. It's for me, I don't need to be doing this show. I don't need to be selling this book. I, 
personally, I make enough. We sold the business. I don't have to worry about another penny for the rest of my life. I don't do this for attention. I love being outdoors. I love, I hunt, I fish, I do all these different things, but they mean nothing to me if Christ is not in my life. And so right. I am going on being on your podcast gives me an opportunity to get in deeper water and, and to talk to more people. And for your listeners, it's just like, try chasing him instead of waiting for him to come to you. Um, and I know I sound like a lot of people's old man, but tell them 59 years old. So maybe I am. <laughs> it's outstanding. Go ahead, Tyler. No, it's very inspiring. And uh, man, I just love uh, all that you just shared. And, uh, you know, as CBMC, one of our kind of our end game uh, end goal is to get to get guys in one on one discipleship relationships. Uh, so I mean, our last question we asked this to all of our guests is uh, what role has discipleship played in your Christian walk personally or uh, as a professional, but more importantly, just as a follower of Jesus? Well, I'll tell you this. I didn't get a chance. Um, uh, Mike Winter. Um, Mike Winter. Oh, you don't, you don't know Mike Winter, do you? Oh, Mike gosh, Winter. yeah. Let's cut the podcast. Yeah, we got to <laughs> stop here. Mike, Mike Winter, I, I had a meeting with him uh, years and years ago. This was after I came to Christ. And um, a, a, a mutual friend knew that I was coming to Christ. He sent Mike Winter, um, and I met with him. And I met with Mike for several years. And he was the one that first got me to speak, um, to give my testimony. Mike also was really good at it. Uh, Mike's an adventure guy. Um, so he, you know, he, he has some Christian books he wanted me to read. You know, I'm not really in the Christian books or Christian rate or Christian music. I'm just not, he goes, no, read these books. And they were adventurous. Uh, Wild at heart was one of them. Um, there was, um, Oh, um, in the, in the pit with the lion on a snowy day. Oh, wonderful book. I mean, so Mike introduced me to some really good Christian writing. Uh, I mean, obviously I do a lot of read uh, C.S. Lewis and Max Lucado's or his books are really good. Uh, Charles Stanley, love him. Um, these are all uh, Bishop Barron, even though, you know, for your non-Catholic listeners, uh, he, he covers it all. He's really good. But Mike Winter got me involved in, in several um, different things. And then he got me speaking and I was deathly afraid to speak. And I speak about that in the book. Um, and he got me to give my, my testimony. And he's really the one that got me started. Now I speak at CBMC's uh, prayer breakfast and, and, uh, and lunches all over the country now. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a supporter of it. Um, and the Project Timothy is just outstanding. Um, I, I went through that. Um, it's a really good door opener to... You know, I talked about earlier about you got to go to church. You have to have more touch points with Christ than, than Sundays. Okay, you have to. Um, uh, what CBMC is is a doorway of, hey, so you can't go to uh, you know church during the week. Here's a book to read. Here is a uh, here's a certain podcast you should listen to. Uh, they, they give you more things, and pretty soon you're like, and pray about these things. I pray God. I, I would like some more resources. And I literally six months after that prayed for him to stop because it was like a truckload on me. It was over. It was overwhelming. Um, but to this, I, 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 uh, I owe a lot to Mike Winter, um, uh, Stan out, out, out in Houston. Um, 
fantastic. I was just out there uh, or in Dallas. I'm sorry. Uh, sp- yeah, speaking we, up, sp- we love uh, those guys. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he he's a nut. He's a he's a nut. Um, he is. But I I don't know. Uh, so CBMC is uh, very close to me, very close to my heart, and and they're they really taught me many ways on, on how to disciple. And then I can be kind of fiery. So, you know, just because you're CBMC, you know, you go through CBMC, they don't kick out CBMC robots. Um, they're going to show you uh, different resources and different things to think about, pray about. And um, it changes the lives of, of thousands of men a year. There's no question. It changed mine. We appreciate your time today, Brig. And man, we are inspired by your story and what God has done in your life. And um, very encouraged to hear um, of the lessons learned and, and what you're able to now pass on. As you said, you've sold the company and, and now you're spending your time just encouraging people. And so with that, I want to make sure that everyone knows uh, that you did write a book about this experience. It's called Moving Forward, A Stick Man's Journey for Hope and Meaning. And mm-hmm. so you can you can Google that. You can buy it on Amazon and, and, and other places online. And um, you know, as, as, uh, Briggs, Brig also has mentioned that he, he does some speaking now, if, if you have interest in, in, um, him coming into your area or your market and speaking and encouraging the people there, uh, in, in your area, you can visit his website and inquire about him, uh, coming to your city to speak. And, uh, we will include all of that in, in the show notes. And so, Here's the last thing I'll say, and then we'll, we'll close for today because it's just been a great discussion, but we're out of time. But uh, if you're listening to this and um, something has stirred within you, like, man, where, where he was at, that's where I'm at. And I'm looking for a change or I'm despairing or I'm at a loss for where I'm at. I would really hope that you would feel comfortable um, reaching out to us here at CBMC. Just just reach out to us at cbmcok.com. You can get connected with us there. Uh, Shoot us a message and we would love to connect with you. We've got weekly groups that meet. They're open to to anybody. Uh, We have one-on-one mentoring and discipling relationships that we offer. We have uh, private peer groups that you could be a part of with other like-minded people that are trying to figure their, find their way through business and life, just like you are. And so this is really a place, as, as Brigham mentioned, it's, it's for anybody, even, even wiry, fiery guys, you know, we, <laughs> we, we love everybody here and we, we welcome every, uh, everybody here. So we'd encourage you to reach out if this is something that has really, really touched you because we'd love to connect with you. So thanks again, Brig. We really appreciated uh, getting to have you and getting to meet you. And yeah, thanks God, for having me. God bless you. And, and thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, guys.